Amen. Praise God. That is amazing. That is like one of the reasons why I'm so, so excited about Campus Sunday. It's because we're just highlighting how much we love the college campus because that is why we believe in it. I mean, stories of lives getting changed. Um, it just it never gets old. So I'm so excited for this new semester. I'm so excited to see all these beautiful faces that I've missed all summer. Yes, I obviously missed y'all. Some people didn't by the lack of applauding. It's okay. We're glad you're back. Uh, welcome out to the Springs. Uh, if this is your first time here, we're so glad that you're here with us. We want to make this church your church. We believe that this is a home, or a community that you can be a part of, that you can grow in. Uh, and if you're a student and this is your first time here, um, don't bother checking out the other churches and ministries. They're awesome. Like my best friends run them and stuff. This is the best, okay? This is as good as it gets, all right? So, so, so you're stuck here, all right? Cool? Okay, good. Tough crowd, all right. Um, so uh, Pastor Peter's out of town. He's in Oregon visiting family. He's our lead pastor. So if you think about him and his family, uh, uh, pray for them, uh, that he comes back refreshed. And we're just excited for you, Pastor, if you're listening to this. Uh, so let's get into it. So if this is your first time here, one cool thing about the Springs is that we, we love the Bible. Now, now that might sound kind of strange because, like, we're a church. We're supposed to love the Bible. No, no, we're crazy about it. What we like to do here is we pick a book of the Bible, and we just stay there. Like, like we open it up chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We take our time, and we just see what God is communicating to us in his word. We believe the word is alive. It's active. God has revealed himself to us in the word, and it's in this place when we get our face in the book that we can see who God is and who we are. And we learn how to uh, embody love the same way that he's modeled love to us. And so where we are today is we're in the book of John. Uh, and we're in this series called For the Love. Last week, Pastor Peter opened up this series. And, and I love this statement, For the Love, because I, I think that, that it perfectly summarizes what we see happen in the book of John. We see John who is an ordinary fisherman, called by God. God's love transforms him. And, and for the love of God and, 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 and compelled by love, we see John change just the sphere that he occupies. He changes the communities and he changes the world. And, and so we kind of believe that same thing is that when we can tangibly grasp God's love for us, it'll change the way we live our own lives. It'll change the way we love the community that we're in. It'll change the way we love the campus that's in our community and the way we love the world. And so as we continue the series, Pastor Peter's gonna roll out some awesome plans that, that, that you know, tangible stuff that we're going to do to, to serve our campus, to serve our community, uh, and to serve the world as a church. So Pastor Peter will be rolling that out soon so you don't wanna miss it. But where we find ourselves today is where Peter left off in John chapter 1, verses 4 through 13. So if you'll stand with me to honor the reading of God's word, turn on your phone, look at the screen, get your Bible out, um, and we'll be in verse 4. So it reads like this. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, 
and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of flesh, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, nor the will of flesh, but of God. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So with the remaining time I have with you, I have this one statement, this one big idea uh, that I believe is being communicated in this text. And to the best of my ability, I want to kind of bring it to life. But it's this. You can write this down if you're taking notes. We can know who we truly are because the true light has come into the world. We can know who we truly are because the true light has come into the world. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for, for Campus Sunday, God, for, for every, every student that's in here, Lord. I, I thank you, God, that they're not here uh, by coincidence or chance, God, but they're here because you placed them here, Father, and that you have a plan and a purpose for their life, God. And thank you for every community member here, Lord. Uh, we love them, Father, and, and we're so thankful, God, that, that we get to learn from them, God. How, how to live this Christian life, and that we get to grow together as a church. And as we unpack your word, Father, I pray that it would come alive in our hearts and our souls, and that we would leave different. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I, um, when I graduated high school, although I look like I'm still in high school, okay, if you laughed, you're not my friend, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, this was in, in 2011. I know I look young. I'm married. My wife's somewhere. Morgan, I love you. She left. Okay, cool. Uh, that was not planned. Uh, when I graduated high school in 2011, um, from, from sixth grade to my senior year, I, I wasn't really in church. Uh, my parents had moved to a different town. They were working constantly. And so just being religious, it, it wasn't there. And so uh, as I was growing up, I remember I would have these like deep philosophical questions. And I thought to myself that I was the only one who had these concerns. Uh, I would ask myself, who am I? You know, like, uh, like there, was, there was this real internal struggle within myself to try to figure out, like, why do I exist? Like, why am I here? What is the purpose of all of this? And, and, and I tried to figure out the answers to these questions, and, and, and nothing was working for me. And so when I graduated high school, I thought to myself this. I said, well, the answer to all these questions about my identity that I'm having I can find them at this great higher learning institution, Texas State University. Um, for some reason, I kid you not, I thought to myself that, that if I could come to college, because at the time I saw this music video and it portrayed college as being like this place where you, you come get drunk and high and you do all the crazy stuff and everybody looked happy. So I thought to myself, I want to be happy and everybody looked like they were having a good time and I wanted to have a good time. And for some reason in my mind, I thought to myself that if I could engulf myself in this lifestyle, that somewhere in there, I would be able to find a sense of identity, meaning, and purpose. That the answers to my questions of who I am and why do I exist w- would be there. It, I don't know where I came up with that. And so I came to college, and, and that's what I, I started to pursue, only to find out that, well, it just, it just wasn't as awesome as I, as I thought it was. Um, I could engulf myself in a lifestyle that I'd never been exposed to. I could, I could do the drugs and have inappropriate relationships and, and not follow God and still be really empty and broken inside. 
And they weren't answering these questions about who I am and why do I exist and why I'm here. The reason I say that is because when we read John chapter 1, the first five verses, John is coming out of the gate answering these questions about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Where is he from? And what does he do? Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's four Gospels. These, these four Gospels tell the story of Jesus. We know that. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic Gospels. The reason they're called that is because they, they kind of parallel each other. They both kind of start the same. You know, chapter 1, chapter 2, there's a genealogy about Jesus. talks about his childhood years, all that jazz. John does not start that way. John gets straight into it. In verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So verse 1 of this book, John isn't wasting a breath, letting us know that the Word is God, that Jesus is God. And then we continue reading. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. So we're getting this picture of who Jesus is. He's God. He's in the beginning. He's creator of everything. And the first five verses set this up. Now, the reason why John is telling us who Jesus is right from the get-go is because the whole purpose of this book, he states in John chapter 20, verse 31, it says this, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I'm going to read that one more time. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the whole purpose of the book of John. So when you're reading these stories about Jesus walking with his disciples, resurrecting dead people, opening blind eyes, John is giving us a picture of who Jesus is so that we can see that he truly is God and that by believing in him, we may have life. So no wonder John doesn't waste a breath starting out with telling us who Jesus is. Because the starting point for us having life and figuring out who we are, what is our purpose, is by answering the question, well, who is Jesus? And unless you can answer that question, who is Jesus, you'll never be able to answer the question, who am I? Why? Because he created everything. Not one, it's... Verse, verse 6, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So he created you. And not only did he create you, he breathed life into us. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So in order for us to understand who we truly are, we have to ask ourselves, well, who is Jesus? So when we, can, when we know, we can know who we truly are because the true light has come into the world. So I want to talk about who we truly are without Christ. Who we truly are without Christ, and that is we are spiritually blind and spiritually dead. If we continue reading, it says this, verse 6, There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist, not not the Apostle John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear 
witness about the light. So when I was reading this text and trying to like get my thoughts together, for some reason, I just skipped over that verse. Um, like John the Baptist, yeah, we know he was like a forerunner for Jesus, kind of came to testify that, that the Messiah had come. And so I kept on overlooking this verse, like it, it has no importance. But then as I kind of started studying, um, I ran into this quote and, and it blew my mind. I'm going to read it for you. I have it on the screen. It says this, when the sun is shining in all its beauty, who are the ones unconscious of the fact? Who need to be told it's shining? The blind. How tragic then when we read that God sent John to bear witness of the light. How pathetic that we should, need, we should be any need for this. How solemn the statement that men have to be told the light is now in their midst. What a revelation of man's fallen condition. Can you believe this? Jesus the light. Hebrews 1.3 says, The radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, is in the midst of his people, and his people did not even recognize him. And this is our spiritual condition. This is the fruit of being spiritually dead. We do not see God even when he's in our midst. Like, like imagine if, if I walked into this room, and uh, I'm with my wife, and I turn on the light, and I say, babe, the lights are on. Go walk and be fruitful under the illumination of the springs. She, she doesn't need that. Like whether she's thinking about it or not, the lights are on. She knows that. And yet we need to be told that Jesus is in our midst by John the Baptist because we are so spiritually blind that God is in our midst and we don't even recognize him. And this is the fruit of being spiritually dead. We backtrack to the garden. Notice how if you're paying attention to verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. It kind of um, parallels Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created. And we backtrack to the garden. God, God created us to be in a relationship with him. When we look at this word life, Peter touched on this last week, there's a Greek word there that means zoe. And I, I, just, I just love, love, love this word zoe. Because it means the absolute fullness of life. And this absolute fullness of life only comes from being in relationship with God. Where, where you're, you're, you're fully physically whole, fully emotionally whole. Uh, it comes from being in a relationship with God. So when we read in Genesis, it says that we had zoe. That we had this perfect relationship with God. There was no such thing as sin, destruction, death, anxiety, depression. It just, it just wasn't there. It, w- it was perfect. There was never a lack because you had everything. There was never anything to be scared of because there was nothing to scare you. It was, it, was, it was perfect. And yet we know that when Adam and Eve sinned against God through their willful disobedience, sin comes into the picture and sin severs this relationship with God. So to be spiritually dead means to be separated from God. So now when we were with God and we had a relationship with him, now we're separated from him and we're exposed to sin. It's running through our bodies. It's everywhere. When creation was once subject to God, now creation is destroying us because this world is subject to sin. And we see sin destroy ourselves and destroy others. And so being spiritually dead 
we're spiritually blind too. And it's the fruit of being spiritually dead. And so instead of being in a relationship with the creator, we settle for a relationship with, with creation. Like this is kind of the theme of the Old Testament if you read it. God reveals himself to his creation. There's awesome moments of like, yeah, you're God, woohoo. And then they fall from that, and then they're just in a relationship with idols, anything other than God. So, so we naturally draw near to other things than God. And if we're honest with ourselves, we, we naturally draw to darkness rather than light. And that is the result of, of, of being separated from God. So, so we're blind spiritually, and our best attempts at illuminating our lives and coming alive comes from drawing near to false light. Now, now the, the, to keep things simple, we'll define light as like good, righteous, uh, purity. And then, you know, darkness represents like evil and wickedness and all that stuff. So if you have to think about like Star Wars, like the light side or the dark side, it's almost the same thing, different, but almost the same thing. Um, so, so it's easy to identify certain types of darkness. Like, like, like we know, like if, if, if we see something on TV or we're exposed to something, we know like, oh man, that's flat out wrong. Like that's evil. That's dark and that's wicked. Okay. I'm not too worried about that. The, the darkness that I'm worried about is false light, which is the darkness that is, that is more pervasive and, and gives the image of being good, but it's not. This type of darkness that leads us to believe that, that if we draw near to it, uh, we'll come alive. We'll, we'll have meaning and purpose and hope, but it only leaves you in a darker place. And that's what I call false light. And so I have a few examples of false light. It's not limited to this, but these are some of the most common ones that I've seen in myself and those around me. So what is an example of false light? Career. I hear this all the time. Man, once I land this job... Once I get to this point in my career, everything will work itself out. I'll have more money. Everything will be awesome. I won't stress out the way I do. Um, I won't be anxious the way I am. Uh, I'll, I'll, be able to, I'll be able to be who I was created to be once I arrive at this place in my career. The only sad part is that a career was never meant to fully satisfy you and fully complete you. At most, it was maybe just meant to, to be a, just a career, never a place for you to find your identity in and to draw near to it so it could give you life-giving substance. Uh, and, and, and so I talked to my friends who, who graduate college, and I'm like, how's it going? And they're like, man, I'm, I'm putting in applications everywhere. I'm not getting anything. And I'm like, let me pray for you. Um, and, and, and one friend specifically, I remember we were on the phone, and he's like, bro, I got this interview you know, let's fast, man. Let's do it. And I'm like, you can fast. I like to eat. I'm believing with you, though, that this is the one. Well, he goes and gets the job. It's like the dream job. Like, he, 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 you know, working in the sky rise, has his own office. And he's enjoying, I mean, every time I talk to him, he's like, dude, this is awesome. Look at my car. Look at all this cool stuff. And then three months later, I call him, and I'm like, how's it going, man? He's like, dude, this sucks. I hate this. Like, this is the worst thing ever. Like, I'm ready to leave this company, and, and he's not the only guy. Like, like, a handful of my friends, this always happens, is that they're so excited about this career that they're going to start, and you just give it a few months, the novelty fades away, and then they're back to where they were before. 
just as broken, just as wicked, hoping that this thing would satisfy them only to come up short. Why? Because it was never designed to do that. We can't place our hope in a career to light up our lives and give us life. The second example of a false light that I have is humanism. Now, this is a, a word that I thought would describe my own experience. Now, I don't want you to get daunted by this word. Um, there's tons, hundreds of types of humanism, I think, uh, but this is a simple definition that I have. It says this, humanism is a democratic and ethical life stance. Do I have it? Okay. Uh, that affirms that human beings have the right and responsibility to give meaning and shape to their own lives. So when it says democratic, it's not necessarily referencing like a political position. It's more talking about being autonomous, self-governing, independent. Humanism stands for for the building of a more humane society through an ethics based on human and other natural values and a spirit of reason and free inquiry through human capabilities. Humanism is not theistic. Uh, it, it, it finds no framework within uh, any other religious institution, and it does not accept supernatural views of reality. So, so, so whether I knew it or not, I was like, like a poor humanist. Like in, in my heart, there were these desires to just be a good person. Like, like let me be the best person I can be and, and as I pursue, as I put good into the universe, it'll come back around and put some good into me. I mean, I, I, I was that guy. Uh, like, like, just be a, a great person. I had a Bob Marley poster in my dorm room. I only knew like two songs, but it was the thing to do. Um, gosh. If you, have, if you have a Bob Marley poster in your dorm room, hey, I love you. It's awesome. Um, take it down. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so, so whether I knew it or not, this was the false light that I was pursuing on the college campus, that, that maybe if I can be the best person that I could be, somewhere uh, in, in pursuit of that, God would begin, or something would begin to pour meaning and purpose into me, only to find out that I, I could be the best person ever and still be incredibly broken. Still wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning with this feeling of angst, like, like, like what is this all about? Like, I thought that I could come to college and be three hours away from home, be independent, be my own person, write my own rules, live my own truth. My truth wasn't good enough. Me being my own person is so countercultural to what the Bible says. In fact, the more I pursue becoming my own person and building my own kingdom and sitting on my own throne, the more depraved and broken I become. Because my soul was not designed to live like that. I was made in the image of God to be in relationship with God, to submit to his sovereign rule, to submit to his throne, and it's in that place where I come alive. And so I'm not speaking against becoming like a great person, being super loving, and, and, and just becoming like, you know, Oprah Winfrey, Ellen DeGeneres. That's awesome, but it's not going to satisfy you. It might fulfill you for a moment, but not for the long run. It'll only lead you to the same place of darkness you're already in. And the last one is things. I, I left this one kind of broad because uh, I've seen this play out in, in, in a variety of ways. But, I mean, it could be anything, anything that, that we choose to draw near to, hoping that it's going to light up my life, hoping that it's going to give me life. Like, uh, I, I'm just going to come alive if I can have this car. 
Like as soon as I get this material possession, like everything is gonna be awesome. But cars like aren't alive. Like they're dead. You can say it's a transformer. That transformer didn't create you, okay? Cars are inanimate objects that were never designed to, to give you life. And I'm saying cars, but relationships. Like, I, I love my wife, but she wasn't designed to fully satisfy me, to fully make me come alive. That's not her job. That's what God does. And so anytime I put that weight or burden on something or someone, I'm only going to be incredibly disappointed because it's not going to reciprocate. It's not going to fully satisfy me. It's not going to make me come alive. And why? Because you don't come alive by pursuing death things because you weren't created for that. Here's how I'm going to tie it together. We're going to go back to verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. So in Christ is the place we find life. Why is that? I believe Paul answers this question in Colossians 1, 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God. This is Jesus. He is the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him, and underline this if it's in your Bible, and for him. You were created by God and for God. You were not created by your career, for your career. You were not created to be a good person and be satisfied by being a good person. You were not created for your husband, your wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, your your degree. You were created by God and for God. And so when we internalize this, everything makes sense. Because the only place that you can come alive is by being in a relationship with the one that gives you life. And the only way that you can have light penetrate the darkest parts of your heart, the darkest parts of your mind, the darkest part of your soul, is by letting that true light come into your life. This is what Jesus does. And this should be so liberating. Why? Because you can be a terrible student like me and fail, like, I kid you not, every single, this is going to encourage some of y'all, every single test, first test I ever took, I always got somewhere between a 40 and a 50, okay? I always bounce back, made a B in the class, but just because you failed the first test, there's still hope, okay? So, so I'm believing with y'all, okay? But, but, so even when I, I fail, I'm not identified by my failure because I wasn't created to be a student at Texas State. I was created to be a child of God. And so now I'm liberated to pursue whatever God, you know, you can come up to me and be like, man, I think I'm gonna change my major because this is hard. Well, change your major. <laughs> you weren't created for that. You were created by God and for God. And now you're liberated to be the best student you can be. And if everything works out, awesome. If it doesn't, doesn't matter. You were not created for that. You're liberated to be a child of God and pursue him and then give everything you have the best, the best you got. You know, you're at your career and the job stinks. Your boss is horrible. The workload is hard. Awesome. Praise God. It doesn't define you. That's not what you identify yourself with. You weren't created for your career. You were created by God and for God. 
And so now you're liberated to be the best worker you can be, knowing that whether you do a great job or a terrible job, God still loves you. And you don't find your identity and satisfaction in those things. You weren't created for anything else except God. And so if you want to fully come alive, we draw near to the true light. All things were created through him and for him. Anything else is incompatible. Like anytime we try to draw near to something to, to illuminate our lives and make us come alive, it's only going to be a matter of time before you realize this isn't going to work out. Any other relationship is incompatible except the relationship with God. So we can only find life in Christ because that is what we are created for. Here's what Frederick Bruner says. He says, you were made for him. The result of this reunion will be more than human existence. It will be human life. You're not just going to exist. You're going you're to come alive. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He brings life and light into our life. Um, so if I, if I just closed it here, this would be a, a that'd be terrible. Because I haven't shared with you how do you get in on this. If anything, I've, I've just kind of like, y'all were so respectful. I just kind of shut everything down. Like, no, you're spiritually blind and darkened. You're not as awesome as you think you are. And y'all were so nice to me, so thank you. Um, that's our condition. But, but that's not where we stay or, or, or what we're called to or where we remain. We can truly know who we are because the true light has come into the world. And without Christ, we are spiritually darkened and spiritually blind. Now I want to talk about who we truly are in Christ. Two points. We are fully alive and fully enlightened. This is probably like the best word ever right here. Verse 9. I'm in the book, so I want you to get in the book with me. Chapter 1, verse 9, it says this. The true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Underline that, because that will encourage you. Um, I, I hope as it encouraged me. So the true light, the true life, was coming into the world. Into this spiritually dark world that has been tainted and corrupted by sin. And yet, despite our sin, despite our shame, despite our guilt and condemnation, despite how wicked we are, the true light still came into the world. That should be so encouraging because I believe this is like the heartbeat of Christianity is that God has drawn near to us despite who you think you are or what you think you've done. I mean, that just like crushes the lie that says like, I'm a terrible person, man. I can't, I can't go to church. Okay, the true light has come into the world Because you are a terrible person. And he has come near to you to give you life. Every other religion says, how can I work my way to God? Christianity says, the true light came into the world. He has come to us. And and, and I love this. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And so even though he's roaming the, the, like the, the things that he created, like the human, I, I can't imagine what that looked like. 
like, like Jesus walking uh, uh, around and walks past the person. He's like, I remember when I created you. And the person that he walks by just doesn't even know him. Like, like even though Jesus was in the world and we did not recognize him, he still came to us. He still drew near to us. Why? Do you remember the purpose of the book of John? So that by believing in him, we may have life. And he comes to give us life. So he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, how, how awesome is that? Uh, we place our faith, this is what's so scandalous and controversial about Christianity. We place our faith and our trust in Jesus, and we become children of God. And I love what verse 13 says. It says this, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So, so it doesn't matter how awesome you think you are. It doesn't matter how good you've been, how moral you are. That's not what qualifies you and makes you a child of God. What makes you a child of God is him drawing near to you and you placing your faith in him. And when that happens, there's this awesome word there. It's called adoption. We're brought into the family of God. And when we're brought into the family of God, everything else changes. Um, I, I remember in, in Nashville, um, I, I was there for six weeks doing like this school of ministry training, and I stayed with this guy. His name was Mr. Fred. He was my hero. Uh, Mr. Fred was like 87 years old, would drive his Nissan Altima all over the place, really old school, uh, and he was like the host home I was staying in. And this is a true story. I pulled up into his driveway, and Mr. Fred is sitting in the garage in a chair asleep. <laughs> like, I even, like, you know, let the car run. I kind of, like, got close to him so he could hear the car running and, and wake up. Didn't want to embarrass him. Did not wake up. Um, that detail is unnecessary. It doesn't matter. I just love Mr. Fred, one of my favorite stories. Uh, <laughs> but I, I lived in this guy's house, and, and he's showing me his house, and, and it's awesome, um, like he's showing me these pictures of when he used to be a mailman in, in Compton and walking me through his life. And then he shows me my room. And it's this awesome room. And he says, he says this, I expect you to always be clean, to hang your clothes, and to make the bed every morning. You're not going to live like a filthy man in my house. And I'm like, oh, okay, Mr. Fred, you're 87. I get it. You're awesome. Sure, I'll follow your rules. And so the whole time while I lived in his house, I honored and respected his rules because while I was living in his house, he had placed this demand on me to, to live according to his standards and his rules. And I did that out of respect for him. Now, now when we live in the house of God, I mean, I mean everything changes. Like, like we don't live the way we used to before. We live the way God has called us to live. Like, like you live in the house of God. And so everything that, that's in his house, you have access to. He, he, he's your father. He's your provider. And he calls us to live up to this great standard, not so that we can become good and earn our righteousness, but because he loves us. And he's transformed us from the inside out. When you're so changed from the inside out, it changes the way you live. Now, the thing with, 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 with Mr. Fred, as soon as I le left his house, I mean, I went back to being my old self, you know? You can ask my wife. She, it's like she hates it. This is like the, the worst part about marriage. It's like, why do you leave your socks everywhere? That's where they go. Um, 
went back to being myself. Why? Because it was, it was just like a, it was just a physical transformation, like, like the environment had changed me. That's not what happens in the Bible. It's called the inside-out transformation. You're so changed from the inside-out that, that it follows you. It goes with you. Like you're no longer the same person you were before. Why? Because there's been a new birth. And a new birth produces a new person. I, I love this because when, when, when we are alive in Christ, I mean, you're fully alive and you're fully enlightened. Everything looks so different. Everything is different. I was at growth group and I was asking um, Isaiah and, and Mark and Kevin this simple question. I was like, what was it like when you, when you became a Christian? What happened? And I loved all the answers they gave. They were, they were all pretty similar. They said, man, I, I used to think this way. I used to be this type of prideful, this type of arrogant, didn't really care about anything. And, and I love what they said. They said, as soon as the light came on, everything was so different. As soon as God changed me, I couldn't go back to the way I was before. And that is the mark of being a Christian. That is what God does. He gives you new life, and you cannot be the same person. I remember when I, when I first got contacts, and I, and I put them in my eyes. I had bad vision my whole life, and I, and I put some contacts in, and I was in Walmart, and I was like, whoa, I've never seen these colors. <laughs> like, I can see the back of the wall. It says electronics. I was so stoked. You know, I was so happy. I'd never been able to see that clearly. And I just, I mean, it changed the way I walked. It changed the way I interacted. You think it's weird. I was just glad to be able to see And when the light goes on in in, in your own life and Jesus illuminates you, you cannot walk in the darkness the same way. You cannot be the same person. And that's what happens when the light goes on in our life. And so how, so so, so what what do we do with this? Well, let's keep reading. Again, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus, creator of the universe, made the whole earth, everything in it, created you, is the only person where you can be fully alive and fully enlightened. That's what he does. This only happens when he draws near to you and you respond to him and he regenerates you. He makes you a new person. And the fruit of being a new person is is, is having a new life. Now, there's two responses. Now, we just read this. There's two responses. Number one is you reject. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Or number two, you receive him. And to those who did receive him, he he gave the right to become a child of God. And everything was so different. We see this play out in John's life. The guy who wrote this book. Jesus drew near. He received him placed his faith in him, changed him from the inside out. And John goes from being a fisherman to to, to this guy who who, who wrote this book, showing us who Jesus is, pioneering church plans and movements for Christ, practically like showing us the Christianity that we have now. I mean, to the point where people did not know what to do with him. They tried killing him. He wouldn't die. They, They boiled him in oil, like Peter said last week. Crazy. Like, let's just throw him on an island. He won't do anything there. Well, that's where he wrote this book. And and, and John comes alive because Jesus changed him, came alive in him. And at at a conference, uh, the conference that, you know, in the retreat that we heard in these stories, I remember being February 25th, 2012, hearing 
this word, this gospel preached. And the moment I heard it, I could not be the same. Because that light went on in my mind. And the things that I used to desire, I did not crave. The things I wanted to do, I did not know how to do them anymore. Uh, The people in my life that, that were toxic and just not following God, it wasn't hard for me to be like, See ya. I still love you, though. Um, Everything changed from the inside out. I couldn't be the same person. Why? Because I was literally a new person. There was a a new birth that had happened in my life. And my encouragement to you is, is that God is drawing near to you. And he's reminding you that that all the false lies or the things that you're pursuing aren't going to fully satisfy you aren't going to make you fully come alive, and isn't going to bring light to the darkest part of your heart. That's what Jesus does. And you can either receive him by placing your faith in him, because this is what the whole thing is about. It's moving towards the cross. So by Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, now, now what severed this relationship with God has been fully restored. That's why we can put our faith in Christ. And God welcomes us in and changes us from the inside out and makes us children because that's what he died for. And if we receive that, he promises that. And if we reject it, well, we'll just be spiritually blind and spiritually dead, wandering about in the darkness that we've always known. So with every eye...